0: Welcome to the Ridge Life podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Please join with us as we look into God's word with Pastor Mike Byrd. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter number 6. And we've been looking at these arrows that we are supposed to be quenching with the shield of faith that the Lord gives us and we have already covered several of these different arrows. For example, we've already talked about worry, anxiety, fear, anger, sexual immorality. And today we're going to cover the last one because the the things that I asked for you all to fill out and give, uh, when I categorized those, I came up with five categories. And the last one that we're going to look at here today is the thing about handling conflict. Uh, Some of you filled out there about uh, what to do when people say slanderous things about me or forgiveness, forgiving things like that. So I kind of put it together with learning how to actually handle conflict in a biblical way. And one thing that I think that you need to understand that as a believer in Christ, offenses will come. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. Someone somewhere will say, do something to you that will cause you to be offended. And in turn, uh, you will say or do something to somebody that will... Cause them to be offended. Now, whether that is intentional, like uh, maliciously, you're we're doing that, or they're doing that, or whether it's just unintentional, maybe somebody not really thinking about what they're saying or the consequences of their actions. Um, if we, if we don't learn how to handle conflict in a biblical way, then I think sometimes we can allow Satan to actually have a foothold in our life and we can become bitter, we can become angry, we can become um, unforgiving, we can hold grudges. Um, all sorts of different types of things. So offenses will come, but you just need to learn how to actually handle them in a biblical way. Sometimes people say things like, oh, I can't believe that, you know, they're supposed to be a Christian. They would never do something like that. Well, I try to remember that, yeah, I, I offend God constantly, and uh, yet he still forgives me. He gives me grace. He uh, extends mercy towards me. And in turn, I'm supposed to actually uh, be living that out in my own uh, life as well. So it's important to learn how to actually use your shield of faith uh, to overcome the offenses uh, so that that way you won't grow embittered against your brother or sister in Christ uh, when they do something to you. So this is what I want you to take away with you today. By using the shield of faith, I can learn... How to forgive and forbear with those who offend me. By using the shield of faith, I can learn how to forgive and forbear with those who offend me. So let's take notice here of our scripture here. So Ephesians 6.16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So if I'm going to learn how to extinguish these offenses, forgive people, forbear with people, the first thing I must do is trust and obey. And this is the whole thing we've been talking about, of actually using faith. Faith, remember, it's not some magical, mystical word. Faith is actually knowing what God says about the given problem or circumstance, and believing his word, putting it into practice. That's living by faith. That is actually doing what God says uh, in his word. So I must trust and obey uh, what God says, even things about conflict uh, and forgiveness. So trust and obey. Here's the second thing. Deal with conflicts in a biblical way look at our scripture here, Colossians 3, 1 through 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Often when we are mistreated um, or we're opposed, our first reaction is usually to justify ourselves and do everything to get our own way. Uh, It's this selfish attitude that I believe that usually leads to impulsive decisions that only make matters worse. Uh, Because we fail to respond biblically, we react in an unbiblical way. And uh, cause more problems, making rash decisions, uh, impulsive decisions that tend to start this spiraling effect where uh, one bad decision leads to another and another and another. And so... We must learn actually how to deal with things biblically. So how do we handle such conflicts as those who gossip about us, those who slander us, those that use us, those who mistreat us, those who lie to us or even hurt us, whether that be uh, emotional, physical, verbal, or spiritual abuse? How do we handle these conflicts uh, that are inevitably going to come into our life? Uh, You might be overlooked for a job promotion uh, you came into the break room and overheard your coworker telling another coworker of how much they cannot stand you. You can't have a polite conversation with Sister Jones or Brother Grimes because of how they did or said something to you at the annual church picnic that you just cannot forgive. Uh, when you get an email from another coworker, you just cringe when you see their name pop up in the email list. Let's just face it, uh, we have all been hurt. And we have hurt others as well. Those hurts could have been on purpose or they could have just been unwise decisions without thinking of how they might affect others. The truth is that we have all had conflicts in our lives and will continue to have conflicts. So how are you going to deal with them? You got to deal with them biblically. Look at the verse here again in Colossians. If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. The gospel of Jesus Christ provides the way out of allowing offenses and conflicts overcome your life. When we remember what Jesus did on the cross, our focus should change from why-me victim mentality to a desire to draw attention to the goodness and the power of God. Look at the verse again. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth focusing on God is the key to resolving conflict in your life. When we remember his mercy and draw on his strength, we will learn to see things more clearly and respond to conflict in a wiser way. If we learn how to do this, we can find better solutions to these problems that come into our life. So, I'd like to give you some ways that we respond to conflict in an unbiblical way and how we should respond to conflict in a biblical way. Now, you're going to see these degrees of how people respond unbiblically. Some of them are just very surface, but then it moves all the way over to an extreme way that people often respond to conflict. Now, there's two ways that people handle conflict unbiblically. And here they are, either one, they try to escape the conflict, or they try to attack back when the conflict comes. So when we try to escape, here are a few things that we try to do. Now, this is, this is from being just kind of general to an extreme circumstance that people handle conflict. So here's the first one deny that a problem exists. When people try to escape conflict, they will try to deny that a problem exists. In other words, they will, they will try to avoid the person. They'll try to avoid the situation. They'll try to make every effort they can to, to make it sound like it doesn't exist. Uh, maybe when a person comes up to them and says, hey, how are things going? Oh, everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Okay, they're denying that an actual problem exists. Now, it may help for a little while, but usually it makes matters uh, a little bit worse. You ever hear the uh, saying, don't make a mound out of a molehill, right? Uh, you, you, can, you can actually do that if you, if you deny the problem and you, you avoid the situation or avoid the problem. Secondly, moving on to more the extreme, is people try to flee. So if they're avoiding the problem, trying to deny that it exists, another way that people handle it, and moving more to the extreme side, is they flee. This could be they move out of state, they move out of their house. Uh, if they're having marital issues, they'll get a divorce. It uh, could be that they quit their job, could be that they change churches, but they're fleeing from the conflict because they do not want to deal with it, so they're handling it in an unbiblical way. They run away, and uh, usually that only postpones a proper solution to the actual problem. Now, I, I will say that there are times that fleeing is necessary. For example, if you are in a dangerous situation, whether that might be some type of physical abuse, um, yes, you need to leave, flee, get out of there. Because if it's, if it's going to bring harm to you physically, you need to leave. Okay. But if it's something like we can't agree whether we're going to have, uh, red chairs or purple chairs, um, that's no reason why to flee. Okay. Um, If it's because, you you know, you're having issues with your boss, uh, the answer is not always, well, fine then, I'm going to leave. You try to look for a biblical solution to the problem. Now, here's the third way that it goes all the way to the extreme side of when people try to um, escape, and that is through suicide. Uh, when people lose all hope of resolving conflict, they may seek to escape the situation by attempting to take their own life. Uh, suicide is never the right way to deal with conflict. Do you know that uh, suicide has become the third leading cause of death among adolescents today? Partly because they do not know how to deal with conflict in their life because somebody at school says something, because they're getting bullied or whatever, and they don't know how to deal with it, so therefore they say, well, I'm going to take my own life in order to escape all of the hurt and all of the conflict. So that's one way that people handle conflict is through escape, and that's that's an unbiblical response. Here's the other way that we handle conflict unbiblically, and that is to attack back. Um, I have found that people who are more interested in winning a conflict than in preserving a relationship are people that try to attack back. Uh, They don't want to preserve peace. So what do they do? They look for opportunities or ways to get back at that person. Um, Usually these people, they view uh, conflict as a contest or a chance to make their rights known. Uh, It's a way for them to control others or take advantage of their situation. Uh, Here's some ways that they attack during conflict. One way, and remember this is going again from kind of general to an extreme side. Uh, One way that they do that is through assault. Now this could be um, forms of force, intimidation. They use verbal attacks including gossip and slander. They may use physical violence or efforts to try and damage a person financially or even professionally. So they they attack in this way through assault. Another way, moving more towards the extreme, is then if the assault doesn't work, then we're just going to take them to court. Um, Lawsuits usually damage relationships and often fail to complete justice. Christians are commanded to not go to court with another believer. That's found uh, here in 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 8. Uh, so we should be settling our differences. That's why, that's why God has given us the local church In order to settle differences, that's all Matthew chapter 18. If we have an issue with somebody, uh, we go to that person one-on-one. If we can't work it out, then we bring two or three witnesses. If it still can't be worked out, then we bring it before the church. That's God's way of solving problems biblically. Uh, So the answer is not to take the other Christian to to court and sue them. Uh, And then here's the third way that goes all the way extreme, and that is usually murder. Um, in extreme cases, people uh, may be so desperate to win a dispute that they will try to kill those who actually oppose them. Now, as a Christian, we may not go as far as actually taking a gun or a knife or uh, trying to uh, kill somebody in that way, but Jesus said it very clearly. He said that if you have anger or hatred in your heart towards another brother, you've committed murder already in your heart. So, this is an extreme thing of, of sometimes how we, how we handle uh, conflict, and so we must remember harboring anger or contempt in our hearts towards others is murder. So all these responses are, are unbiblical responses. Uh, how should we actually handle them biblically then? Well, let me give you a few helpful things and uh, this topic on conflict and forgiveness is so vast, and there's there's so many aspects to it that we're not going to be able to cover everything. Uh, maybe in a future date, we'll we'll do a an actual uh, series on conflict or forgiveness. Um, but I, I want you to just I want I want you to get just maybe the high points of this, and maybe you could take some of these things uh, with you. All right. Many of the conflicts in our life is sometimes because of misunderstandings, poor communication. That's me. Okay. Um, sometimes it's differences in values, differences in goals, gifts, priorities, expectations, interests, or opinions. Uh, it may be over competition, over limited resources, such as time or money. Many conflicts are caused or aggravated by sinful attitudes and habits that lead to sinful words and actions. So how should I handle conflict biblically? Here are just a couple points. Number one, overlook an offense. Overlook an offense. Many conflicts are so insignificant that they should be resolved by you just overlooking it, just letting it go not making a big deal about it. Listen to a few of these verses here out of uh, Proverbs and, and other areas of the word. Proverbs 19, 11, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 12, 16. A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. Proverbs 17, 14, starting a quarrel is like opening a floodgate, so stop before a dispute breaks out. Colossians 3, 13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. 1 Peter 4, 8, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. When we choose to overlook an offense, we make a deliberate decision not to talk about it, not to dwell on it, or let it grow into bitterness in our heart. We just overlook it. Say, it's not that big of a deal. It's fine. It's okay. If she wants to make pork chops tonight, fine, I'll eat them. It's okay. By the way, I'm not having a conflict with my wife over pork chops. (laughs) But it's just overlooking an offense. Somebody says something to you and it hurts you, okay? They probably didn't mean it maliciously. You just overlook it. You forgive. You say, okay, it's fine. Now, secondly, if the offense is so serious or the relationship has been damaged... Then you should follow the steps to handling conflict outlined in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 18, 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Why does he tell him, say to tell him between you and him alone? Because it's gonna cut down on gossip. You're not spreading it around, telling everybody how so-and-so offended you. You go to the person and you confront them and you say, this is what you did. You have hurt me. You're telling them the sin and you're confronting them. And then he says, if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. And this will allow you to resolve these conflicts that you have uh, with relational issues, with personal issues, through confession, through loving uh, correction and forgiveness. Matthew 5, 23 through 24 says, so if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, get on Facebook. No, sorry, <laughs> I was reading that. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Proverbs 28:13 People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Galatians 6.1, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Colossians 3.13 again, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. So if it's so serious enough, then you need to go to the person and actually confront them and talk to them. Thirdly, use conflict as a way to grow in your relationship with God and others. Conflict offers us a great opportunity to grow. Here are four ways to exercise growth through conflict. Now, these are not original with me, but I found them very helpful and useful. Number one, glorify God. Ask yourself this question when you're engaged in a conflict. How can I please and honor God in this situation? Well, that'll really help you with your attitude and your actions and responding the correct way. Secondly, get the log out of your own eye. How can I show Jesus' work in me by taking responsibility for my contribution to this conflict? Could it be that you have something in your own life, a log in your own eye that's sticking out and you're trying to go and resolve the conflict of a little splinter in your brother's eye? Thirdly, gently restore. How can I lovingly serve others by helping them take responsibility for their contribution for this conflict? And fourthly, go and be reconciled. How can I demonstrate forgiveness of God and encourage a reasonable solution to this conflict? So God's word tells us very clearly that we need to learn how to handle conflict biblically and not allow it uh, to take footholds in our life and cause bitterness. So deal with conflicts in a biblical way. Here's the last thing. Thirdly, learn how to forgive biblically. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. If we are going to extinguish the offenses and conflicts in our life, we must learn how to forgive biblically. You know, Christians are the most forgiven people in the world. And because of that, we should be the most forgiving people in the world. As most of us know from experience, it's often difficult to forgive others genuinely and completely. I often find myself practicing a form of forgiveness that is neither biblical or healing. There's a strong relationship, I believe, in the word that we find between God's forgiveness and our forgiveness. Listen to what Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Colossians 3.13, forgive as the Lord forgave you. See, we have this incredibly high standard to live up to, don't we? And that standard is that we must forgive just as God has forgiven us. Does God hold grudges? No. Does God bring it back up? Nope. Does God use it to try to manipulate you? Nope. God has made a promise. And that promise is that he says, I have forgiven you. Let me debunk some of the myths of forgiveness Uh, that people sometimes think that what forgiveness might is. Number one, forgiveness is not a feeling. It is an act of the will. People say, well, I just don't feel like I can forgive them. You don't have to feel like you want to forgive them. Forgiveness is an act of the will. It's saying, I'm going to do this. Not if I feel like it, I'll do it. It's asking God to change your heart. As God gives you grace, we must decide not to think or talk about what someone has done to hurt us. God calls us to make these decisions regardless of our feelings. Secondly, forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgetting is a passive process where a matter fades from your memory as time moves on. Forgiving is an active process. It involves a concise choice. Listen to what Isaiah 43, 25 says. I, I am he, this is God speaking. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. He didn't say, I will forget. He said, I will not remember your sins. So God is not saying that he cannot remember our sins, but he's saying, I am choosing not to remember your sins. So when he forgives us, he chooses not to mention it, to recount, to think about our sins ever again. And in the same way, when we forgive, We must draw on God's grace and consciously decide not to think or talk about what others have done to hurt us. Thirdly, forgiveness is not excusing. Excusing says that's okay. It implies what you did really wasn't wrong or you couldn't help it. It's giving people excuses for their sin. Forgiveness is the opposite of excusing. The very fact that you actually have to forgive somebody implies that we don't make up excuses for it because a relationship has been damaged. Hurt has incurred. There has to be forgiveness and restoration. So you can't just say, oh, it's okay. It's fine. It's all right. You, you really didn't mean it. It's all right. Okay. Forgiveness says we both know that what you did was wrong and without excuse. But since God has forgiven me, I forgive you. That's why when we, when, when we, when we confront somebody about a, a, an issue that has happened, uh, the, the response should not be, I'm sorry. Because I'm sorry means that you are offering up some type of of reaction. The correct response, the biblical response, when you are confronted about sin, should be, you're right, I was wrong. I sinned against you. Will you forgive me? That should be our response. And so when you forgive somebody, you are releasing them from their guilt. And we're releasing them from the penalty of that guilt. So forgiveness deals honestly with sin. It brings a freedom to no amount of excusing could ever hope to provide. So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is a decision. Forgiveness is saying, I will not do this anymore. I will not bring it up. I will not talk about it. I'm not going to mention it. I will not, just as God says, I will not remember your sins. I want you to dwell on the grace of God just for a moment. What does his grace mean to you? The unfathomable grace of God. What does that mean? His mercy and his forgiveness. God's grace is what was added to your account when you stood in debt to sin. Forgiveness can be extremely costly. And I think that that's best illustrated through the death of Jesus Christ. In order for God to be able to forgive you, he could not just say, I forgive you. Somebody had to pay the debt. Somebody had to pay the penalty, right? And Jesus stood in your place, took on the wrath of God so that you could be forgiven. And so when you repented of your sins and God forgave you, he released you from that penalty of that sin. And in doing so, he's given you some awesome promises about his forgiveness. He promises not to remember our sins any longer, not to hold them against us, not to let them stand between us ever again. Listen to a few of these scriptures here. Jeremiah 31, 34, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Isaiah 43, 25. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember your sins. Psalm 103, 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Psalm one thirty, three three through four. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. 1 Corinthians thirteen, five. Love keeps no record of wrongs. So through forgiveness, God tears down these walls that have been built up because of sinful actions, sinful deeds. And in the same thing, you know, when we, when we do something to people or they do something to us, there's walls that are built up. The relationship has been damaged. And so what has to happen? We have to forgive. Now the question I always asks and says, well, when should I Forgive. Jesus taught us that we should always be in a constant state of forgiveness. Luke 17, 3, if your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And then later on, Peter says, Well, Lord, am I supposed to get forgive, you know, so many times? And he says, Well, you know, you're supposed to forgive 70 times seven. Constant state of forgiveness. Now, that is a forgiveness that you have in your heart towards that individual. So like, let's just say, for example, Don over here, okay? Don comes over to my house and man, he insults me. He tells me that my house looks like it was built, I don't know, horribly. That's okay, you can say that, it probably does look that way. But anyways, Don offends me in some way, okay? Or Don gossips about me or he says something about me, you know? And so I, I, I find this out and I am hurt. I am hurt. Now, my first reaction is I am supposed to forgive Don in my heart, okay? I haven't even gone to him yet, but I need to forgive him in my heart so that bitterness does not spring up in my heart. I forgive. So I'm in this state of forgiveness so at any time... When the time comes that I go and I confront Don and I say, Don, man, what you said really hurt me. And Don says, hey, Mike, I was wrong for saying that. I should have not said that. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? I then can say, yes, Don, I forgive you. And I offer forgiveness towards him. Now, His forgiveness depends totally and hinges totally on his repentance. That's what Jesus said, Luke 17, 3. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. But you must forgive from your heart. You must forgive. But when we have that confrontation to resolve the conflict, I cannot actually offer him forgiveness until he repents. From his sin, and this is what God's word teaches us on this. So, if we're going to handle conflict, if we're going to handle forgiveness in a biblical way, we have to do it the way God's word describes to us from the word. In your bulletin, there, I gave you a little handout here. Some more things that you can learn about overcoming or um, overcoming uh, the conflict and forgiveness and just some helpful things that I think could really help you and to start putting some of these things into practice. Now, again, there's so much on this. I can't hit all of it here today, Um, but I just wanted to give you the high points uh, with some of that, but let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church, or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.